Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. I'm a sheriff's deputy in a, a fairly busy county, so we see and hear strange things all the time, but this this gives me chills. But there's an abandoned house in a rural area of the country that sits a good ways back into the woods. Every so often, our dispatch will receive a 911 call from a landline at the residence with nothing but white noise. The dispatcher asks if anyone is there, but they never get an answer. Since it's a, an open 911 call and we know the address, we have to respond and every time we do, there's no one there. But the oddest thing though is that there's no electricity or any signs of wiring going to the house. And every deputy that's been there gets a feeling of dread just being on the property. I'm not sure of the history of the house, so I don't know what could be there. Oh, and uh, I'm working in the zone of this house tonight, so I'll try and go by and snap a photo of the house if I can update. So on the way to the property I found a vehicle driving on the wrong side of the road so I'm at the jail finishing paperwork on the DWI and I'll post the pictures as soon as I can. At the latest it'll be 0800 hours central time. Update. So to preface this part of this account I consider myself to be uh, pretty rational when it comes to odd situations like this but I am open to the idea of supernatural activity. I posted here because this is one of those cases that I felt like you guys might enjoy, and to see if anyone might have any possible explanations or similar instances. Apparently, there's actually a few stories out there very similar to mine. I'm not in for any street cred, it's just an interesting story that I wanted to share. Anyways, 
this is my first time walking up to this place, so it was uh, definitely an experience, that's for sure. The trail is gated off, so I had to walk it. It's about 200 yards back into the woods through very dense brush and trees. There was nearly zero loom on the trail, and I really had to watch my step even with my flashlight. I actually jumped a deer on the way up, and it scared the living hell out of me. Once I turned the corner at the end of the trail and saw the house, my heart started racing, and I honestly felt like something was there with me. I started messing with my flashlight and phone and notepad, trying to get a photo of the verification with the house when I just felt that I needed to leave. It wasn't a feeling of I shouldn't be here, but more of a you need to get the fuck out of there, dodge now. And having been in very stressful situations in the past, I've learned to trust that feeling. I got the best photos I could and sped walked back down the trail towards my car. I'm almost embarrassed to say that I legitimately felt something was following me. But I made it back to the car and sat with my spotlight pointed at the trailhead, just waiting to see if something came out of the woods. Fortunately, nothing did. I sat for a minute and caught my breath while I reviewed the photos, hoping that what I got was sufficient because I did not want to go back. I'm about to go off duty, actually, and so this is it for the day. I'm really interested in what the hell happened at this place, and I actually plan to do some more research tomorrow. Sunday nights are usually extremely slow for us anyway. Update. So, uh, I've been doing some research between calls tonight, and I have some history on the property. The house was built in 1890, and the first debt on file was registered in 1901. The property has since been in possession of the family that owns it today. From what I could find, the current owners of the property live out of state now, but had previously lived either in the house or on the property some years back. The area it's on was a, a boom town during the late 1800s, but fizzled out shortly afterwards due to a lack of profits from the mines. Other than that, I haven't found anything that makes the property stand out. On a more speculative note though, the house sits close to an area where a Native American tribe was known to reside. I'll dig deeper into the history of the property and the family and see what I can find out. Thanks again for all of the comments and advice guys, it's really appreciated. Update. So, uh, I've been spending some time with family the past couple of days and I haven't gotten much done, so sorry for the lack of updates. I actually have the name of the person who has the deed on the property, but contacting them has been a bit of a task. I plan to go back to the house tomorrow during the day, so more photos should follow. In the meantime, I'll keep digging around. Update. So, I went back to the house today and I, uh, I have no intention of going back again. Sorry for the long wait too. From the last time that I posted an update till today I've uh, been debating on whether or not to go back to the house. I've been in contact with some people in the comments on the original post as well as a private message here and there and her input on the whole situation was both enlightening and honestly a little unnerving for someone like me who is not accustomed to such things as this. She told me that she was in communication with an older man, a farmer who resided in the house in the 50s and remains to this day in spirit form. She told me that he doesn't wish to move out from the house because he likes the seclusion. The reason for the 911 calls was unknown to her but said the farmer wanted them to stop so that we would leave him in peace. 
She told me that he made people feel unwelcome at the house for the sole purpose of deterring any trespassers, but would allow me a short visit on the condition that I bring a pack of cigarettes for him. However, she warned me not to overstay my welcome. Obviously, more than a little skeptical, I considered the input but was convinced of the communication in a, a follow-up message that I got from her. She described the counter next to the door and even told me that's where he wants his cigarettes left. She also brought up an old convenience store several miles from the house, and without knowledge of the area or the house too, there would be just no way of knowing these details. After discussing the matter with my wife and a few close friends, I put the investigation on hold to kind of get my bearings about the whole ordeal. Today, I finally decided to return though. I got up earlier than usual and got dressed for work and I got in my patrol car and drove 30 minutes out to where the convenience store was. I went in and purchased a pack of regular Newports and drove to where the trail to the house begins. But being daytime this time around I felt a little bit more secure but still had that nervousness about me considering the situation. I stopped a short way down the trail and addressed the farmer and I introduced myself and asked for permission to come into his land for a short while and added that I brought a pack of cigarettes as a, a show of good faith. I stood for a second and listened, half expecting a verbal response. I didn't hear a voice but the tension that I had felt prior to addressing the man seemed to dissipate and I continued to the house and gave it a good once over and it didn't look any different from when I had last left it. I took several photos of the front of the house and walked towards the open door and I addressed the farmer again and told him that I was going to place the cigarettes where he'd asked and said that I was going to take a few pictures. As you can probably tell from the photos, the interior of the house was a, a little more than just spooky. I placed the cigarettes on the counter and walked into the kitchen area where I noticed something in the corner. I shined my light and I saw a, a really old photograph of a woman sitting on the shelf by itself. And the rest of the house was mostly empty, so it seemed like the photo was deliberately placed and left on the shelf. On the kitchen floor, I found an old phone just laying in a pile of trash. I chuckled a little at the irony of it all and then began looking for any connections. The ones that I found had been severed, but that's not to say that there aren't any underground lines that could be causing the issue. When I rounded the corner, I saw the stairs leading up to the second floor, and... Nope, was the first thing that crossed my mind, and I moved on to the living room. I had been in the house for close to 10 minutes at this point, and I started to feel the tension that I'd felt before returning. I walked through the living room through a passageway that led behind the stairs, and as I turned the corner towards the back room, I, I distinctly heard three loud footsteps directly above my head, as if someone was on the second floor landing of the stairs. Either I had overstayed my welcome... Or there was definitely something in the back room that I was not supposed to see, but I was not about to stick around to find out, that's for sure. I quickly exited the house and began to walk down the trail towards my car. As I was leaving, I decided to take a photo of the second story window in hopes of catching something. I took the picture and walked back to my unit and realized that I didn't feel the presence behind me as I did the first time. When I got to the end of the road, there was a, a car parked beside my unit with a lady in the driver's seat. When she saw me, I waved and she got out of the car to meet me and she was a resident of the area and wanted to make sure everything was okay. I told her that I was just checking on the property as an extra patrol due to the 911 calls that we'd received from here. I didn't think my supervisors would appreciate me telling a citizen that I was ghost hunting, even though I was not on the clock. 
When asked if she knew anything about the property, she said that she only knew the owners live out of state and that no one is ever there. She told me that she'd been in the house before and began talking about the cellar in the back room of the house behind the stairs. Given what had just happened, this piqued my interest. And she said that the rumor around the community is that there's a bear that lives in the cellar due to loud noises coming from inside, but no one knew for certain. I thanked her for a time and I went to the office where I started to work on this update. To answer the question that I know that I'm going to get, hell no, I'm not going back to search the cellar. Whether there be a spirit of a, an old farmer in the house or something else, I'm not wanted there and I do not intend to push my luck. The trail on the info of the house has gone cold too and I haven't found any way of contacting the current owners or their family or anything. We haven't received any more calls to the house and frankly I, I hope that we never get one again. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So at my first apartment, you had to be vetted through the jail in order to become a patrol deputy. I started in the jail when I was 20 and served a little over a year as a jailer before being transferred to the patrol division and sent to the academy. The jail in question was built in the 60s or 70s and was uh, falling apart when I started working there. I mean, I can only imagine what condition it's in today. It was a small jail with three housing blocks and held a max capacity of roughly 60 inmates. My first few weeks that I was there, I was put with a senior jailer so they could show me the ropes and all that. The standards for working in a detention facility at the time were fairly lax to say the least, so anyone reading this who has worked or currently works in detention, there will probably be a, a few what-the-f moments in this story when it comes to how we did things. Before I started the night shift portion of my training, I had several employees tell me the story of a jailer who was attacked by something in the booth, the control room where we were stationed. 
The story was that the jailer was working on paperwork late at night after all the inmates were locked down when he just kept feeling something brush his neck. After he felt it a few times, he turned around and saw a dark humanoid figure perched on the shelf behind him. As he stood, the figure supposedly jumped at him, causing the jailer to run down the steps, out the door of the booth, and then out of the corridor to the booking room. The dispatcher, who was one room over at the station, saw him and then supposedly called an ambulance because he was unable to speak. The whole incident was allegedly caught on camera, but nobody knew where the footage was. But to be honest, I, I didn't believe the story one bit, and I brushed it off as a trick that they play on the rookies or something. But once my training was completed, I was placed on the night shift by myself too. After several weeks of working on my own, I became comfortable being the only one on duty in the jail too. I was even at the point where I would play checkers or cards with inmates if they were awake after lockdown. But once everyone was asleep in their cells, I had done my watch tours and I would go to the booth, shut the heavy metal door and turn on the old TV that we had and just kick back. I was going to college part-time during the day at the time, so if it had been slow and no one had caused any problems, I would set an alarm on my phone for the next hour too and take a nap. The surprisingly accepted behavior in that jail as long as you did your hourly checks. One night I, I did my checks and set my alarm for 2am, checked the control panel to make sure that all the doors were secure and locked and then dozed off as I had done many times before. But this time I woke after what felt like maybe 30 minutes to my inmate worker who had stayed up late to finish his laundry pounding on the plexiglass window to the booth door. Startled I I jumped up, unlocked the door with my key, and asked what had happened. But the trustee told me that he had heard screaming in one of the blocks. I ran to each cell block and was alarmed to find every door had been unlocked. I shined my light in each cell and confirmed that everyone was asleep though and where they were supposed to be and quietly locked the doors. When I found that everyone was alive and well, I returned to the booth to find out what had happened. Upon looking at the control panel, every door in the cell blocks had been unlocked manually too. This was obviously a strange experience, but as I said, it was a, an old jail and the control panel had definitely seen better days. I chalked it up as an electrical malfunction and the scream the trustee heard as a, an overactive imagination. Morning came and all of the inmates emerged from their cells to get breakfast and none of them appeared to have been injured or complained of anything happening in the night. The next few months go by relatively well with nothing worthy of mention occurring again and one morning around 5am my trustee was sitting on the steps of the booth just keeping me company as he drank our coffee and we were preparing for morning med call and all that and as I was finishing my paperwork I, I caught a glimpse of someone walking around in one of the cell blocks through the booth window. Annoyed at the thought that someone had managed to get out of their cell I, I looked at the control panel to find that every door was still locked and secure. I looked back through the window and I saw a, a short brown haired man with a short brown beard just wearing an orange inmate uniform slowly walking around the block with his head down. He made the second lap and walked behind a pillar and then didn't appear on the other side. I popped the block door from the control panel, exited the booth and then stormed into the block ready to chew this guy out and when I entered there was nobody there. I walked around the block shine my light in every cell and checked every door and checked in the showers and even under every table and every door was secure and no one was out of their cell. 
I looked at my trustee and I could tell that he was just as confused as I was and he told me that he saw the guy too. At breakfast, I, I looked at each inmate as they walked up to see if the one that we had seen in the cell block was among them. But surprisingly, no one came close to matching the description. That morning, I brought it up to one of the dispatchers who had worked there for 20 years and I described to her the man that I saw. Without a word, she pulled out the calendar, pointed to the date and said, Yep, that's him. Surely, she saw the look of confusion on my face because she laughed and told me what she meant. She said that the description of the man that I saw matched that of a man who had hung himself in that cell block several years back on that day. She said that he was a repeat customer, as we like to call repeat offenders, and was always hired as a trustee due to his work ethic and good behavior. She said the last time that he was brought in, he was a just a different man, fighting with the jailers and other inmates, talking out of his head and just acting absolutely insane. She went on to say that one night, the man took a sheet, wrapped one end around the door of the food slot and the other around his neck, and that was the end of him. The dispatcher claimed the spirit of the man was the one haunting the jail and the one who had attacked the jailer several years back too. And after hearing that, I began to believe that there was something more going on here. As time passed too, I experienced several odd occurrences including office chairs just spinning on their own, catching a glimpse of someone looking through the booth window when no one was out there, and shadows moving across walls too. Inmates would sometimes report seeing someone in orange walking past their cells in the middle of the night and a select unfortunate few said that they awoke to a third inmate in their two-man cell just watching them as they slept. I later met and befriended the guy who had been attacked by the entity too and shortly after the incident, he quit the jail and went to work for another police department in the county. He refused to talk about the incident too but would say that it wasn't a joke. When we attempted to poke fun at him about the incident, just in jest, he would become visibly upset too and just would walk away. Everything in this account could be explained away by electrical malfunctions, sleep deprivation, and just a, a number of other contributing factors, I know. But that being said, there are certainly some things that cannot be explained so easily. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So my wife asked if I could share this account on her behalf, since, in her own words... She's uh, not good at telling stories. Her stepmother was very uh, unique. And for this story, we'll call her Annie. So Annie had a very strong and unconventional sense of spirituality, claiming to be able to see and feel the auras of strangers and strongly believed in the supernatural power of crystals. She had started to study books about the good and evil of witchcraft, even going as far as obtaining a Wiccan book which taught the reader how to make certain potions, including those that would supposedly make their gardens grow quicker and whatnot. But since my wife and I grew up just down the road from each other too, I had actually met Annie and I'd met her on several occasions too and can vouch for her odd behaviour. 
Now, while my wife was on college, she would return home on the weekends to stay with her father and Annie too. While there, she began to feel a, a sort of uneasiness being around her. And the best way that she could describe the feeling was that of malevolence, manipulation and a sense of doom. On one night, my wife had returned home with a friend from college for a small celebration of her birthday and they each drank a glass of sangria and spent the evening just talking to each other before deciding it was time to go to bed. Manny had already gone to sleep in her room and her friend had bedded down on the couch at this point. Since her sister was out of town, my wife went into her bedroom too and turned off the lights and just went to bed. She described the room as having a queen-size bed with white string lights strung around the footboard of the bed frame. The closet was directly in front of the bed and the door was standing open. When she had gotten to sleep, my wife said that she had the worst dreams that she could ever remember having. The worst of which was being taken advantage of by a close family member. She woke up in a cold sweat and a heart racing, all the while telling herself that it was just a bad dream. But it was then that she felt like she was being watched. As her eyes adjusted to the darkness, she caught a glimpse of something moving in the closet. She sat upright at this and looked closer. And to her horror, there was something looking back at her. A small silhouette of a hooded figure was just stood in the doorway of the closet. The glow from the lights on the bed cast a, an eerie glow into the opening, but it seemed as if the figure absorbed all the light that hit it, causing it to appear as a, a black void. She said that she racked her brain trying to remember if there was a jacket hanging low in the closet or if something had fallen while she was asleep that might explain what she was seeing. And as she leaned forward, the area where the figure's mouth would have been began to open and what she thought was a smile. As the thing's smile got wider, the soft glow of the string lights reflected off of what she described as gnarled stubs of disgusting teeth. She said that she became perturbed at the being and felt that it was that that had caused her to have the awful dream. The thing remained smiling and motionless in the closet with its gaze fixed on my wife. The realization of what she was seeing finally hit her too, so she got up and quickly edged her way out of the room, keeping an eye on the being as to make sure it didn't follow her. She made her way into the living room to find her friend still awake, and breathless, she urged her friend to go back into the room with her. They returned, turned on all the lights, and looked into the closet, but found nothing out of the ordinary. There was nothing there that could have explained what she saw too. Talking with a friend about the incident the next morning, she told my wife that she had come into the living room to get her and her face had turned just pale white and drained of all colour. Soon after, my wife dropped out of school and moved out of state to living with her mum. And it was during this time that she found out that Annie had been associated with several people who had moved into rent a house on the property and practiced satanic rituals. It was never proven, but uh, a mutilated horse had been found in the field, and it was believed that it was their doing. Also, I, I should probably say that it was never determined if Annie had taken part in any of these people's practices. Some months later, the house where the incident had occurred burned down too, and was just a total loss. My wife felt that these things were related to her experience too. Two years later, and my wife and I had started dating, and she moved in with me one county over. But one night, while I was at work, she called me bawling her eyes out too. She said that her father had just called her and told her that Annie had been found dead from an apparent overdose. My wife and I had talked about this at length due to my recent investigation into a supposedly haunted house and 
She and I both agree that what she saw was probably a demonic presence. Whether or not it was an omen of death and destruction is debatable due to the events that occurred afterwards could be dismissed as just being circumstantial. We ruled out sleep paralysis though due to the fact that she was able to just sit up and orient herself and then stand and exit the room, all the while being able to see the thing still. She and I feel too that it's important to share these experiences for several reasons. Anyone is subject to witnessing paranormal events and in most cases they can be somewhat, if not very, traumatizing. As with any traumatic experience, it's healthy to talk about it too and I can tell from my recent experiences here that this is a, a good place to do so. It's comforting being able to speak to people who might be able to explain what you've experienced, whether explained by natural causes or supernatural by personal experience or some sort of expertise. Any input into this or similar experiences are welcome and I'd love to hear from you guys. Thanks for listening. So, this is a story from my mum. Her uncle passed away in the 9-11 attack and the day it happened, my mum's aunt, his wife, was... A total wreck because she hadn't heard from her husband yet and she knew that he was working there that day. One of our neighbours gave her a call the next morning and said, Oh Mary, I'm so happy John made it. And Mary, which is his wife, said, What do you mean? No, he hasn't called me yet and I actually don't think he's alive. And the neighbour sounded really confused and paused for a second. And then she says, Huh, I saw him walk into the house this morning. The neighbor claims that she saw John walk right into the house with a suit on and his briefcase and everything. But he uh, obviously passed away. This story, it still really creeps me out and the whole thing just it doesn't sit well with me. This is something that my grandma told me. So it was summer in the late 70s and my grandpa was stationed in California while my grandma, mum and uncle were living in Oklahoma. My grandma and great-grandpa decided to take a trip with the kids to visit my grandpa in California too. They made it there safely and had a really good time while there and the morning they left, my great-grandpa called my great-grandma back in Oklahoma to let her know that they were about to hit the road. It was about a three-day drive, taking the scenic route and stopping to sleep at rest stops and whatnot, and it was a normal trip, and my mum and her younger brother playing in the back seat and whatnot, and they made it to New Mexico, and were only about eight hours away from home, and they were suddenly hit by a freak blizzard. They could barely see where they were going, so they were driving slow and looking for somewhere safe to pull over and wait out the storm. They saw a bunch of lights on the road coming towards them and, assuming it was emergency vehicles, they pulled over to the side of the road to let them pass. The next thing they know, an officer tapped on their window, waking them all up and asking them to move along. They were kind of confused, but they just kind of brushed it off, thinking that maybe they had just decided to sleep where they were rather than continue driving through the blizzard and whatnot. Except, when they started looking around, there was no snow. No sign whatsoever of the storm, in fact, and they stopped at a gas station and my grandma said something to the attendant about the storm and he didn't say anything but looked at her like she was crazy. They got back on the road and were home at evening and when they got home, my great-grandma was in a panic, asking them what the hell had happened to them. Because apparently, 
It had been 10 days since my great-grandpa called to say that they were heading home. They all have an entire week missing, and they all have no idea what happened to them or where they were during that week. Let me start by first saying that I was a jail nurse for about three years in a correctional facility that housed approximately 1,300 inmates. I loved the job, would have stayed longer, but administration sucked, but that's another story. Anyway, I, I worked night shift and I've had some creepy shit happen that just can't be rationally explained. So... I worked both in booking and infirmary, but the majority of the incidences occurred in the infirmary. So, I was there maybe a month, not a new nurse, but new to corrections. Anyone who spent any time in a jail will tell you that when those heavy boots slam shut, it's a very distinctive, definitive, and loud sound. To get into the infirmary, you have to have a key you'll be buzzed in too by central control. I'm sitting at my desk like normal and I hear the metal door outside my office click like someone from Central has unlocked it and it opens about halfway and then just slams shut. Now, in my office there's a huge glass window so that nursing staff can see any inmates that are about to enter. So when the door slammed I thought it was just the officers fucking around and I jumped up and went to the window and no one was there. I called Central and the officer that answered sounded like I just woke him from a sound sleep and I said ha ha very funny. He had no idea what I was talking about though and I knew this officer too and I was surprised that he would go along with any type of prank like that because frankly he was just kind of a jerk off with absolutely no sense of humor. So I just thought it was some sort of mechanical glitch in the end and I sat down and everything just like changed. It felt colder and I felt like I was being watched all of a sudden and it was just all around uncomfortable. I took my stethoscope from around my neck and put it on my desk and left my office to go into the medical department and I stayed in medical for a few just talking to the staff in there and then went back to my office. When I walked in I went to grab my stethoscope off the desk to check an inmate and it, uh, it wasn't there. I looked on the desk, on the side, underneath, and it just wasn't there. I should mention too that when I left my office, I did lock the door as per protocol, and I'm the only one on the shift with a key. At this point, I, I think I'm going crazy, so I start looking everywhere, and I can't find it. Now, in my office there's a large closet and it holds all sorts of supplies and it's always locked with the key being on the set of keys that I carry. So later in the shift I needed to go into the closet and get something. I really don't remember what it was and sitting in the middle of the floor is my stethoscope. I picked it up and the heavy metal door outside my office just clicks again, opens halfway and then slams shut. I locked the closet Locked my office and just went out for a smoke at this point. I must admit that I was scared shitless, but I had responsibilities and patients to look after, so I go back in. And I swear that the whole atmosphere just felt lighter. It was warmer and I just felt more comfortable. And after my shift, the central officers rewound the tapes for me and I saw the doors just open and slam shut, with not a single person near them or in the hallway. 
I wish I could say that that was the last time it happened, or that I just got comfortable with it. I did not though, because each time it happened, it seemed that the doors just slammed harder and that uncomfortable feeling lasted longer and longer and it felt almost like being stalked. The things that went missing were just found in different parts in the jail. My pen case in the woman's wing in one instance, my med sheets in the solitary central control room, my portable blood pressure cuff in the kitchen and each and every time something of mine would just show up in some other part of the jail. And each and every time that something of mine would show up in some other part of the jail, the officers and I would look at the tapes and see no one. Remember I said that I had that feeling like I was being stalked? Well, that's because all of these things happened to me, but no other nurse who worked nights. Not one other nurse who worked on my days off had any doors click or open or slam shut, and their stuff didn't disappear and then reappear somewhere else, and it was always just me. Every officer and every one of the medical staff who worked there well before I got there swore up and down that this type of incident never, ever occurred before. And it got to the point for me that I started just not staying in my office. I got all my stuff that I needed for my shift and sat at the officer's desk and I did that until I left there and got another job. I, uh, I haven't had anything like that ever happen again and to be honest, I... I hope it never does. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.